Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good afternoon. We are Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Sunday, there were rallies and vigils all over our city to condemn anti-Asian hate. Please join us in fighting gun violence, even as we honored the victims of the Atlanta shooting and the victims of another shooting in Boulder, Colorado. Gays Against Guns condemns the white terrorism of mass shootings and stands in solidarity with the Asian community and all women against misogyny and hate. Sarah Germain Lilly. And I'm Shep Wannan. Welcome to the Moms Demand Action Show. Here are the show highlights. In memoriam, Jose Webster by Natalie Arzu, his sister. Interview with Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. Barry Grabart and Shafali Welch. And special premiums this week when you become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. We take a few minutes here to acknowledge those who have lost their lives to gun violence with our in memoriam. My brother's name is Jose Webster. Um, Jose had this smile that could light up a room. Every time you go into it, you'll question, like you can have a bad day. And every time you saw that smile, you just forget what it was that you were mad about. Jose was one of these people in my life that I never thought, you know, even though they were so annoying, right? Sometimes as a little brother, you know, always asking for stuff, bothering you. But one of those things I always understood was that I couldn't see my life without them. And one day while I was at college, my 10-year-old brother called me um, and said, Natalie, don't be mad. He said Jose had gotten shot. I knew Right then and there throughout the day, I was feeling something had left, but I couldn't point it out during that time. My mom tells the story of how he asked to drop his girlfriend home. And it was only a few blocks away from my home. So she said, hurry back home. I made your favorite meal. I'll put it on the stove. He said, I'll take my bike so that I can get home faster. Three blocks away from my home, two men approached him and his girlfriend um, with illegal guns and shot him 15 times. The paramedics did what they could, but unfortunately, they could not save him. Since that day, people talk about him and his red bike because that's one of those things that was told in the news cycle of who he was. You can always see him with his bike. People would tell me, why was he outside so late? What was he doing out there? Why would someone do that? And a lot of times I tell them is the negative narrative people place in their minds because they can't accept the fact that there's easy access to guns. 
that gun violence is one of those, is an epidemic in this world and people have to acknowledge that we have to take action and prevent this from happening to somebody else. So when someone asks me, why do I continue to do this work? I tell them because I want more smiles in this world. Smiles should not be taken away by gun violence. And so I smile because I know that I'm his voice. And when I smile, I know that he's smiling with me. Thank you, Natalie, for being Jose's voice and smile. Natalie Arzu is the founder of Stories Beyond Statistics, a gun violence prevention nonprofit that works in the community. Legislation to ban the illegal weapons that killed Jose is currently before the New York State Legislature. Good afternoon, listeners. We're so excited to be here today with Barry Graubart and Shafali Welch of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. Barry Graubart is the New York State Advocacy Lead of Moms Demand Action, and Shafali Welch is the co-leader of the New York City chapter. Welcome, and thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having us. Barry and Shafali, can you briefly give us some context on the current crisis of gun violence we're living through? Sure, thanks, Sarah. So most forms of crime dropped during the pandemic. We're home all day, so burglaries are down. Stores have been closed, so there's no opportunity for shoplifting, so petty larceny is down. But the big exception has been gun violence. We've seen gun violence increase by 10% in 2020. It's about 120 people dying each day of gun violence. And that cut across all categories of violence. That's domestic violence, city gun violence, suicide, unintentional shootings. And there are several factors that are driving that, right? The lockdowns have put people in close quarters and they've removed a lot of those typical outlets. You know, you have a stressful day, maybe you go out and have a have a beer with a friend, maybe you go out with your girlfriend. Those those have been closed to us. So now we're in these tight quarters. And the stress is difficult, and that has increased domestic violence. Combined with that, we see pressures with job losses, seeing our friends and family hit by COVID, all the surrounding fears that have driven depression uh, and suicide rates higher from gun violence. You know, kids who could otherwise be in school are in the house all day, and they are going to discover those unsecured weapons, and that leads to unintentional shootings. And all of these factors together have really driven an increase in city gun violence. Contributing to that, gun makers who've never missed an opportunity to take a challenge and turn it into a marketing opportunity, they've really used the pandemic as a marketing vehicle since its earliest days. You know, we can look back about a year ago and we saw governors in red states begin to deem gun stores as essential businesses. So gun sales have been through the roof, putting guns, many first-time gun buyers, in fact, which makes it even more dangerous. You know, when we look at it, perhaps the only category of gun violence that did not see an increase this year were school shootings. You know, if we tag specifically onto New York City for that as well, in New York City, there were almost double the number of shootings and shooting victims in 2020 versus 2019. So exactly as Barry said, this pandemic has certainly had a significant hit on gun violence in our country and very much so in New York City. Right. So to take a shift now and look on the national level, 
It's been an exciting week on Capitol Hill. We have some gun legislation moving through the House of Representatives right now. You know, in Washington, we saw two critical bills pass the House of Representatives with what I'll call barely bipartisan support this week. Um, H.R. 8 is the bipartisan background check bill. You know, it simply requires a background check on every gun sale. And we know that when we look today across the country, that's not always the case. There were plenty of loopholes left that we may have closed in New York State, but across the country, there's lots of guns still being sold without background checks. We also passed H.R. 1446. This is the enhanced background checks bill. This closes what's known as the Charleston loophole. Today, there's a thing called the NICS system. That's when you have a background check done. It uses the FBI administers this NICS system that aims to return a positive or negative response. Can you buy a gun? The way that system was set up, the law says that if the NICS system does not return in, in a response, either yes or no, within three days, the store is allowed to sell the gun to the buyer. That's just crazy. I mean, I think if any of the three of us or most of our listeners were to try to buy a gun, the NICS process would take an hour. The only reason that it takes longer is when something comes up in there that needs investigation. And that's exactly the moment at which we don't want to sell a gun to someone when there's something that, that suggests perhaps they shouldn't own one. You know, this bill is named in honor of the mass shooting of nine parishioners at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston. That's why it's the Charleston loophole. And my friend, Reverend Sharon Risher, her mom, Ethel, was the matriarch of Mother Emanuel, who was killed that day, along with two of Sharon's childhood friends. So, you know, we take this one personally. So we're, we're really happy that they did pass this year. Those same two bills did pass in 2019. They passed the House. But Mitch McConnell ran the Senate in 2019, and he was not going to let those come to the floor for a vote. You know, we know it's still going to be a battle to get 60 votes in the Senate. But we also know Chuck Schumer has committed to move those bills to the Senate floor. We will get our vote. And Republican senators are going to have to go on record either opposing a bill that 85 percent of Americans and 72 percent of NRA members support or supporting them. And we also have good additional good news is we're expecting that VAWA, the Violence Against Women Act, which was allowed to expire in 2018, that extension is, is also due to come up for a vote this week in the House. So we, we are excited to see legislation moving forward. That is fantastic. So this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to reduce gun violence. We're trying to save lives. And yeah, sometimes it's inconvenient. It may not be that convenient to put on your seatbelt. It may not be convenient to stop at every light. But these are common sense safety measures that we've adopted and we've reduced traffic deaths and injuries. And you know, Sarah, drawing that comparison really does put the highlight that this is a public health issue. And that's what you've compared it to. And we fully agree. And that's how we need to think about it in this country. Barry, let's get back to the legislation. Can you talk about what's going on in New York State in gun safety legislation? So yes, we have three big priorities in 2021 at the state level. And again, when we look at this, you know, we, we look at this a little bit like the marriage equality issue in ways that there's certain things that we know we're not yet able to get done on a national level. So we have been going state by state, changing policy and changing hearts and minds to get that. And eventually these will move to, to federal. But there are three top priorities in New York in 2021. Uh, the first is eliminating what we call ghost guns. 
So earlier you heard Natalie Arzu sharing a story of her brother, Jose Webster. And we're really excited that one of our Ghost Guns bills this year is named for him. And it's the Jose Webster Untraceable Firearms Act. And we're going to be working hard to get it passed now that it's passed the Senate to pass the assembly and turn that into law. And we are so appreciative of Natalie for honoring her brother with all her work. So these are guns or gun kits that are often bought online. They don't require a background check and they're never registered. Um, the second is providing increased funding for violence interruption groups who work to reduce gun violence in communities that are, that are most impacted by uh, gun violence. And then the third one is rolling back thing called PLACA, the PLCAA. That's the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. This is a law that was passed on the federal level and pro provides nearly complete protection against liability lawsuits for the gun industry. No other industry has this crazy protection that no matter what they do, you can't sue them. So we, we're lucky in New York State, we have a state senator who has developed a way to poke some pretty big holes into plaque of protections, which will give us ways to hold gun makers accountable. Um, so where we stand on those, the ghost gun bills have passed the Senate, which is great, but we plan to make a big push in the state assembly after budgets are done. Uh, so look at late March, early April, we'll be making that big push to make sure those get passed and sent to the governor for signature. The, the violence interruption funding, what's called VOCA, Victims of Crime Act funding, it looks like that's going to be included in the budget process. We testified in a hearing a few weeks ago, and we're getting word that that will be in the budget bill. So we think that one's going to get signed in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then PLACA, again, rolling back PLACA becomes another top priority for us after the budget. Thank you so much, Barry. We'll be back right after the station ID and we'll be talking more about the programs that MOMS is putting forward to prevent gun violence in New York State and here in New York City with Shafali Welch. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show, here on listener-sponsored, commercial-free WBAI 99.5. We are here every Tuesday afternoon at 2.30 p.m., bringing you the latest from the gun violence prevention movement. Gays Against Guns is urging our listeners to keep free speech radio alive, rushing a tax-deductible donation to WBAI 99.5 FM. And become a Radio Gag BAI buddy. Today we're offering as a premium, Grace Will Lead Us Home by Jennifer Barry Haas about the aftermath of the Charleston shooting. You heard Barry mention the Reverend Sharon Risher. Some of her work is detailed in this wonderful book. And we also have as a premium, Whose Right Is It? The Second Amendment and the Fight Over Guns. Shep, tell us about how to get to WBAI. Visit WBAI.org or go to give to WBAI and support WBAI right now. We're back, listeners. We are meeting with Barry Graubart and Shafali Welch of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. Now, Shafali, what are some of the programs that Moms Demand Action New York is promoting to reduce gun violence? 
Thank you, Sarah. As Barry said, we do have a lot of great programs at Moms that are around that. So as a lot of people know, Moms Demand Action started in the wake of the Sandy Hook shooting. And when people think about gun violence, they often think about these shootings that make the headlines. And the truth is that those headline events actually represent fewer than 5% of gun deaths. And in fact, a large area of research and work that Moms Demand Action is engaged in is what we call city gun violence. You can call it urban gun violence or everyday gun violence, or President Eric Adams calls it handgun violence. But the fact is for every person who's shot in these headline grabbing mass shootings, there are 150 who die by city gun violence. And out of the nearly 40,000 people who die by guns every year, a third of those are homicides and they are concentrated in our cities. And as we said, these numbers have worsened in the pandemic and we know this in New York. Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx are deeply impacted. And as we've said, we've recorded twice the number of shootings and shooting victims in 2020 than in 2019. And the moves at the federal level that Barry talked about, namely passing universal background checks, are so important to help us in reducing city gun violence because of the trafficking. We have really tight laws in New York City, but our neighboring states that have lax gun laws are the source of so many guns that make it to New York. And in fact, once I was speaking with Jackie Rowe Adams of Harlem Mothers Save, and she just said this line, where are our kids getting these guns? So hopefully the passage of universal background checks is going to help us reduce gun trafficking as well. Now, what I would like to take a few minutes on is the work and research that's been done on city gun violence and some strategies to reduce our gun violence in cities. And two areas I'm going to talk about are our work with community partners and crime prevention through environmental design. It's also known as the greening of spaces. So with community partners, Moms Demand has a lot of focus on legislative work, but we partner with community organizations, including GAG. We work with local gun violence intervention and street outreach programs and programs in hospital violence uh, intervention as well. And these are programs that are often called cure violence, or some of them are. And some of the strategies of cure violence have shown a gun violence reduction of 30 to 60 percent in the cities where they're used. And in fact, the cure violence model is based on chronic disease management. Again, as we talked about earlier, this is a public health crisis. And so some of the strategies used are exactly those that we've used in other areas of public health. So there's three core strategies around the cure violence model. One is detecting and interrupting conflicts. The other is identifying and treating highest risk individuals. And the third piece is changing social norms. These programs employ trained violence interrupters and outreach workers who prevent retaliation, mediate conflict, and follow up to keep conflicts cool, so to speak. And then outreach workers also help people get necessary social services to help with the root cause of many conflicts. And then they engage leaders in the community, such as faith leaders or local business owners, to really help change the norms. Gun violence is not normal. We don't have to live like this. And many of these gun violence intervention programs, which have seen success in preventing daily gun violence in cities, have experienced, unfortunately, unprecedented challenges in their work in this past year of the pandemic. And so this has just really strained a lot of these organizations. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that we are in an election year in New York City. And so I think it's very important that we ask candidates running for office what their views are on gun violence prevention and what they're going to do to help fund these community outreach programs that have been shown to be successful. 
So the other area I talked about in the beginning was crime prevention through environmental design. And as I said, we sometimes call this the greening of spaces. So there's been a lot of research by every town and Moms Demand Action on this, on greening of spaces and their impact on communities. And in fact, we recently had a seminar with Dr. Charles Brannis of the Columbia Mailman School of Public Health on exactly this topic. And to cut to the chase, the basic thesis is that that's been proven is that if you transform vacant lots and abandoned housing in neighborhoods that have been underinvested for years, you see amazing results. This has been done in Philly, New Orleans, Chicago, Youngstown, Ohio, and many cities. And there's not only a reduction in gun violence that you see through doing this, but there's a reduction in overall crime, depression, vandalism, and an increase in people gathering and spending time outdoors. And these programs are inexpensive, they're scalable, and they're sustainable. And we should note it's an opportunity to reduce gun violence without increased policing, which we've seen can result in a rise in tension. What's amazing is that the CDC for the first time in 20 years has money for funding gun violence research, right? $25 million was allocated and that is enabling the CDC and the NIH to really come up with some of these phenomenal strategies and research into proving what works. So, well, one thing we really like and Moms Demand Action in New York City wants to engage in, in the greening of spaces is it, you can call on the city for funding as I said, it's actually inexpensive and we can actually get involved. We can take action to help transform these spaces. And it's as simple as planting gardens, cleaning out debris, planting grass, putting up a post and rail fence. And they encourage um, greater use of these spaces and public use of these spaces in a safe way and a way that promotes well-being for the whole community. Now, Sarah, if we have a minute, I would love to tell you a bit about our Be Smart program. So Be Smart is another initiative at Moms Demand Action. And the Be Smart framework is designed to help parents and adults normalize conversations about gun safety and take responsible actions that can prevent child gun deaths and injuries. It crushes me that gun violence is the leading cause of death of children in the United States. And Be Smart focuses on practical actions that gun owners should take to keep guns away from kids. For example, safe storage. It's important that guns and ammunition are stored separately and both are locked and put away where kids can't get to them. Our program also encourages parents to have open conversations if their children will be spending time in a home where there is a gun owner. Now, in New York City, these conversations are trickier because a lot of the guns in New York are not legal, actually. So our Be Smart team really focuses on ways to interact with the community where sometimes guns is not the headline topic. Perhaps it's how we help people in need, and that opens the door to talk about how we keep our kids safe. We also have a plan to distribute gun locks in the communities that are impacted by gun violence. And once we can be out in person again, we are going to be doing this. And another key area is talking to schools. So we talk to schools on this topic to stress the importance of safe storage and making sure your kids can't access the gun in the home. It's important for us all to remember that 70% of children know where their parents' gun is stored. So please, please, if anyone listening, if you have a gun, store it unloaded and please keep it locked up so your kids can't get to it. So now that we have a moment, let's talk about the Advocacy Day. Thank you, Sarah. 
So as I mentioned, we've got a number of initiatives that we're looking to move through the New York State Legislature in 2021. And we're going to be holding our New York State Advocacy Day this April 27th. You know, that's normally done in Albany. We all pack on the buses and ride up for the day and have, uh, you know, all these meetings. But we're going to do it virtually this year, like so many other things. So the great thing is you can meet with your legislator in your jammies. That's going to let more people participate, including partners like GAG and so many others. So to sign up, all you need to do is text the word READY, R-E-A-D-Y, to 64433. That's going to connect you to your local Moms Demand Action group. Or you can visit momsdemandaction.org, scroll down to find an event near you, enter your zip code, and then scroll down to April 27th and you'll see it. You can sign up there. Can't wait to see you there. Wonderful. That'll be great. Uh, let's repeat that one more time. Text READY to 64433 or go to org. Scroll down to find an event near you. Enter your zip code and scroll to April 27th. Thank you so much, Barry and Shafali, for being with us today. Your work is inspiring. We are motivated and we hope to see you at Advocacy Day. Gays Against Guns wants to thank WBAI for helping us reduce gun violence through our show, Radio Gag. Right now, Radio Gag has a special premium when you become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. We will send you a copy of Whose Right Is It? The Second Amendment and the Fight Over Guns by Hannah Baramovich. Or Grace Will Lead Us Home by Pulitzer Prize winning author Jennifer Barry Haas when you make a donation of $25 or more. Go to give2wbai.org, that's give2wbai.org, or call 516-620-3602. That's give2wbai.org, or call 516-620-3602. To find out more about becoming a member of GAG, please go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against Guns and New York on Facebook and Instagram and GAG No Guns on Twitter. For more information about how to attend member meetings, check us out on our social media platform. Our next meeting is Thursday, March 18th at 7 p.m. We leave you with our fabulous singing quartet, Sing Out Louise. God help America, what have you done? Stand beside us and guide us through the mess and distress you've begun. With your bigots and your gun nuts, every greedy Make us more brave. Tell the bigots and the gun nuts.